1: Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 13, Episode 8, titled, Social Media, The Unverified Rusical. My name is Joe Batanz and I am joined, as always, by one bellicose co-host. From the podcast pod is my co-pilot. Please say... You don't know how to dance. (laughs) To Taylor... To Taylor... The Latte Boy, hello, Taylor. The Latte Boy, how very dare you? I know how to dance. Yeah, you know what? I've never seen you dance. Well, there's no. There's music right now. There's music playing right now. Oh yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) White man's over my dance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Just Mm -hmm. really quickly, let's get this out of the way. Uh huh. We just had a very interesting conversation about what a liar Taylor was over at Patreon. We have a segment called Just Between Us Girls. Okay?
0: That no one hears but us.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, where we talk about what's going on in our life. It's just us warming up for the show. Well, people seem to like that. Yeah, last week, you know, someone was like, We're Just Between Us Girls! It's not out! I'm like, it comes out at Sundays at noon. Calm down, state of brie. Anyway... uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh but if you want to hear that go to patreon.com slash afterthought media and join at the premium level and you can hear that by the way and this is the first time anyone's gonna know this exclusive tier is about to get something I very exclusive very very soon and it's so good we've been taping it for a while and they're gonna be so excited they don't know I like I was just saying I like to do things in secret now that's what gets my like adrenaline going now is knowing there's secret shows that are dropping. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. secret shows that are going to drop. So uh, it's so exciting what's been going on. Uh, My boyfriend gets to hear like um, previews of them. He gets to hear it early and he loves Mm -hmm. it. He, He says he goes I think this is one of the best things you guys have ever done.
0: I don't even know what it is.
1: Yeah, exactly. He says it might be Uh, just as good as when you and Taylor did season six. And I was like, wow. Yes. That's what he says. I don't know if it's true. That's just his opinion. Like, he loves our season six. Which, by the way, is available on the public feed if you want to go hear it. Um, He loves season nine
0: as well. Okay. Yeah. So I will have to go back at some point when I am not... I have over like 200 episodes of podcasts to go through. yeah. And, but at some point I, I'm saving all of the season fives that are being released right now. And at some point I will have to go back and listen to all the old seasons, like All Stars 2, I thought was a good season yeah, for us. Uh huh. Nine and everything. So yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. That's the beauty of podcasts is you would go back and listen to stuff as many times as you like. All right. Enough,
1: Taylor, patreon.com slash afterthought media. <laughs>
0: All right, this week, the Queen
1: sing and dance a social media-themed rusical. Rosé rises above the competition and pulls out a win while Candy Muse and Simone sink to the bottom. After a lip-sync battle for their lives, Simone has told Shantae you stay while Candy Muse is asked to sachet away. But just as Candy is about to leave the stage, RuPaul <laughs> saves her and orders her to stay. Taylor the Latte Boy named two things you liked about the episode and one thing you did not.
0: Well, let's see. Um, two things that I liked about the episode was, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I liked the segment with Anne Hathaway. I thought that was fun. I thought that was an interesting way to do that. And also something that I would like to see them do with other celebrities in the future. Um, whether you know we I'd to go see, back, to- I like
1: to see the, uh, Lisa Kudrow or Nancy Pelosi or Moby, uh, That would be really great. They should do those people.
0: (laughs) Okay, but this was a little different in which they all got to have quality time with her. And they all got to ask questions. And I get that she wasn't able. She had to come in remotely because of COVID and everything. But if they did something like that where it made sense versus just Nancy Pelosi, like thanking the queens for being there and then looking like she didn't know where she was. Or, you know, Lisa Kudrow, Kudrow coming in and just doing the hello, hello, hello. That's that was dumb. That didn't make any sense. This to me made sense. She gave them information, particularly that Denali was able to use to have what was obviously a very successful performance in the Rusical. Um, something else that I surprisingly liked when I heard that the theme for the runway was yellow. Yellow is my least favorite color of the of all of the the main colors of the rainbow. And I I loved this runway. I thought just about everybody had pretty had really strong looks in various different ways. Um, the thing I did not like was this rusical was wretched. This rusical was horrible and it was boring and it was I couldn't understand most of what they were saying and the sound quality was off and it was just of all the topics they could have done for a rusical, this one was stupid. What about you?
1: Two things I liked. One, as I've made known before, so maybe I'm cheating by saying I like this. I love this Jamal Sims as a coach, mm-hmm. as a guest judge. I think he is so good. Right. I love Jamal Sims. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. I've said it before. I'll say it again.
0: It should always be <laughs> Jamal Sims. Okay. Yeah. And I I feel like the comment that. Who was it that talked about? Was that that talked about the fact that they did as well as they did because Jamal was such a great instructor?
1: Yeah, they said about and, and they actually they talked about how like when you couldn't do things, he would find a way to. I don't remember who it was, but yes, yes.
0: uh huh. I I feel like that might have been shade towards he who is not named. Well,
1: he's not named because you have to be out of here at one, and I would go on a forty-five minute <laughs> rant about this
0: tantric hall and what a horrible human <laughs> being he is. <laughs> right. I will say, okay, real quick, mm-hmm. uh, Taffy, my co-host on Pod is my co-pilot was looking to get a cameo for her daughter for her birthday. And it was between, um, Miss J from, uh, America's Next Top Model. And she's like, I'm thinking about either getting him or Tadra Hall, And I went, no, do not give Todrick Hall money. And yeah. I explained all of the situation to her and she was like, thank you for letting me know that. So we, we saved, we saved, uh, Todrick Hall from getting a little bit of the of some podcasting coin
1: here's my question why would anyone ever want a cameo from Todrick Hall
0: I don't have an answer for that
1: the other thing I liked was um I liked the idea very if if this was not producer driven and this was something that came out of the room the auditions for the role if two or more want the role was so clever and so great I have things to say about that, but I how the editors did Denali Dirty, but still a great idea. I loved it. Uh, The thing I didn't like, Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I believe uh, the show, the the Rusical is horrible, and the people Mm -hmm. behind the show ruined uh, the idea of the (laughs) Rusical. It was horrible, horrible. It's horrible. Even, it's even better than the Pharma Rusical or whatever. Remember that one? Oh, God. Yeah. What season was, was that? Nine? No, 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 no. I want to say that was maybe 11. What was, no, well, maybe i mean last year. What was the, what was the Rusical last year? Someone in the Discord will tell us. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the Pharma Rusical was horrible. No, last
0: year was Madonna. Oh, last because year. that was the, yeah, oh, yeah. that was the whole thing.
1: So it must have been season 11 then. Uh, Sorry. A horrible, rusical about farm, pharma, like pharmacy, which is so funny. Because now maybe they were saving us for UK or something like that. Don't you think they would have done like Prince Harry and Meghan leaving the royal family or something, or like what kind of? I like it when they celebrity dramas are okay or icons is, is fine. Like I would have loved to have seen a Dolly Parton the Rusical.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking, but I but I feel like they used that for the celebrity uh, drag race. Where they did that they did that thing with like the one where Vanessa Williams was her in nine to five or whatever. Oh yeah. uh-huh So that but I was I was sitting here thinking before, like who else could they do? What gay icon could they do that they could do a rusical about mm-hmm. that is still a celebration of like, you know, you could do Judy Garland, but that would get real dark real fast. Oh, yeah. But I mean doing something like But if I did Judy Garland,
1: if I did Judy Garland have Jinx's um guy come on and say he killed her. Remember season five? Oh, oh, I think I killed Judy Garland. (laughs) Jinx's, Jinx's makeover vet that gave vets and it was Jinx's makeover vet said, Rue comes to the table and he's like, she's like, hi. And he goes, I think I killed Judy Garland. I'm like, what the fuck?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, there, there's other, there are other things that they could do that would be, I think a lot better than what they did.
1: What are your thoughts on this Liza Minnelli?
0: I don't really have thoughts on Liza Minnelli. I, I mean, I know that she's around. I know that she's talented. I know that she's beloved, but I don't, I don't know that I've ever really heard a full Liza Minnelli song. I don't know that I've, uh, the, I, the only movies that I've ever seen her in are the Arthur movies with Dudley Moore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm not necessarily. I, I get that she has kind of become a caricature of herself. And even that, the original Liza Melli was sort of a caricature of her mother. But
1: um, I, I ask this because, you know, gay people, we get to choose our icons. Uh-huh. And uh, I feel that we choose icons on different criteria. Okay, Taylor keeps looking at the clock. I keep seeing him. We're going to no, get out by at, one. I'm looking
0: at the I am looking at the discord. I have the discord up on one computer, and i have the I have my laptop where I'm looking at you and Humble pie is posting pictures of Liza Minnelli. okay any Liza, Liza manelli lies I'm a, a grown ass woman yeah if I want to look at a watch, I can look at a watch. I said what I said <laughs> anyway, so
1: don't try it, little girl anyway <laughs> uh. What I was going to say is, I feel in my idea that gays just choose their icons based on different criteria. Some of them, they just like people who are just hot messes, right? And yeah. then they like people who are very talented. And so I, mm. that's why I think Judy Carton is one of the most ultimate icons, because she's a fucking train wreck of a mess, but she's also very talented. But I always assumed, based on my personal opinion, that Liza Minnelli, though she was her daughter, was more iconic because she was just a, a fucking crazy-ass mess, but my now, boyfriend, who's just discovered Liza Minnelli, he thinks she's very talented and a very good singer, and he's in love with her. And I'm like, I just, I'm making a face of, like, shock, you know? <laughs> like, I'm, I I, in, I I, 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 I look, we look at the same performance, and I see a mess. I see a, oh, my God, look at this crazy person flouncing all over the stage, and he's like, she's iconic. And I was like, oh, well, okay, well, there you go.
0: Well, but I. I humble pie in the chat room just asked if i've seen arrested development yes i have seen arrested development as well i love her so, development yeah I, but she's but she's great at that but i think that the reason that she's as great as that is because she's kind of leaning into the mess and the writers are writing for it yeah yeah, yeah. with her vertigo and everything yeah, like lucille that. too I, I want to watch arrested development
1: yeah but I, I, just like with uh, the godfather to me there's only two seasons of that show and that's it yeah, the maybe, diminishing returns. Maybe the third season, right? Because that's when but they But they. It gets. This is not the rest of the development recap. All right. <laughs> um, after Lala's elimination, Utica calls out Olivia's hairline, Denali shares her bitterness from lack of recognition from the judges, and Simone notes that one of the girls from the Winter circle has been eliminated. The next day, Candy proposes the remaining queens all move in together after the season before RuPaul enters the workroom to announce this week's maxi challenge. Social media, the unauthorized musical, the girls will sing and dance to an original musical about social media. In the workroom, the queens hash out the roles they will play. Simone claims a role of Miss Instagram. Tina chooses to be the M. She. Denali and Utica argue over the role of Lady Tweets, but Utica sticks to her guns. Rose and Denali hold a mini audition for the role of Foxy. The girls take the, take a vote, and Rose wins. Later, the queens have a video call with Oscar winner Anne Hathaway, who gives them advice on performing in a musical. A lot to cover, Taylor. Yeah. But to use a, a social media term, TikTok. So uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome for that gift that you could just beat to death with the whole I need to be out of here by 1. Um I I thought that there were parts of this that I liked like we talked about before. I liked the fact that they one that Utica stuck to her guns. That Utica was very much of the recognizing that I'm letting, I'm letting people walk past me. And there is a way that I can do that where I can hold on to the role that I want and just say, this is, this is mine. I've already said that I'm going to take this. And I thought that was very strong on Utica's part. That was a, that was a good thing for her to do. Um, as far as the voting thing goes, I would like to see them, I feel like we have talked about that before. I feel like we talked about the four in previous seasons rather than have two girls fight it out where the other girls have to decide, you know, take a vote on who gets that whatever whatever the particular role is. Mm -hmm. The only problem I could see with that is if there is – if it becomes like a popularity contest, if one of the more popular queens or one of the more social queens wants something but doesn't necessarily worthy of the role Mm -hmm. – I could see where that could be a problem but then ultimately if they're doing this sort of as a group challenge that could come back to bite them all in the ass Mm
1: -hmm. so I'm going to take this little piece by piece here Uh, let's talk about the first act right after Lala's elimination in confessional we hear Utica talking about how you know she was disappointed seeing that Olivia won based on that character and by the way if you listen to the last episode I don't think Olivia should have won but all right and that she, what she would have done with that character. And also seeing what Utica did in the last episode, I don't know if that would have been the case either. But That said, she has these feelings that she says that she feels comfortable saying in confessional. But in person, she's like smiles and sunshine and rainbows. And it, uh-huh. it it's it struck me, and, and you know, um everyone should know Taylor the Latte boy uh wrote a, a best selling book. About ten years ago, called "The Tears of a Clown" by Taylor Latte Boy DDS, <laughs> about this very topic I'm going to talk about. So I want to get his opinion. Is okay. I feel uh, I've known people like this, and there's somebody we know too, who's I feel like this, where they have like that ha 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 everything's great, I, everything's sunshine and roses. I'm super happy. Taylor's giving me the finger right now, and uh, I'm super super happy. I'm smiling, sunshine. Everyone thinks of this person, but. We know that the truth is that they are dark murderers, right, uh, behind the scenes. And okay. I kind of feel Utica gave us a peek. And I, in my experience, I'm not just talking about the mutual friend that I know. Like, there was this girl that I knew where I used to work with named Julie, who she would, like, have, like, unicorns on her desk and Care Bears on her screen. But behind the scenes was one of the darkest people, you know, if you knew yeah. her privately, she would say she would share her deepest, darkest. I hope this person dies. Kind of feelings, but in in person, in the office, she was like smiles and sunshine. I also know it's kind of funny, a gay guy, on my Facebook, uh, who, uh, his name's Larry, and Larry is always like have a smile and sunshine. But he actually, what's what's what I love about Larry is he does it in the post, so it'll be like a one of the uh, bit of him smiling and laughing, okay. and you think. Like, yeah. Have a smile and sunshine day, everything, even if the world's got you down. Even if the guy that you met on Grindr steals your credit cards and now you have no money and you have to explain to the credit card <laughs> company and your landlord, who's also your ex-boyfriend, doesn't understand it and he wants to kick you out and he won't even give you a few more weeks. I just go to the Lord. I just pray to the Lord and he just gives me a smile and sunshine day, everybody. And you're like, oh, there's a lot to unpack there. Yes. Larry. Yeah. 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 So um, since you wrote Tears of a Clown, do you get that sense from Utica?
0: I get that sense from really all the contestants. Interesting. You know, and I think that's sort of what the mirror moments are for most of them. I think that a lot of them, when they are talking about stuff, there is a lot of darkness. You know, I think with entertainers, I think the reason that all entertainers entertain is because they are trying to unleash something or they are trying to make the world a positive place because of the negativity that they've had. Mm -hmm. Um, Whatever that experience is. And you know, I mean, a perfect example would be you look at a lot of comedians. A lot of comedians are all about trying to make people laugh and trying to bring joy to the world. But they have very dark, you know, they whether they suffer from depression or they have very dark pasts. And there's a lot of, you know, drug and alcohol abuse that goes along with comedy. You know, I think drag queens are sort of an offshoot of that. And when we see a lot of these queens, queens that are trying to be super campy and super fun, you know, there tend there tends to be a dark underside to their personalities or their experiences, and that is what th- they have found this place where they can release themselves in drag, where they can maybe say, you know we t- we talked about Simone last week talking about the fact that she uses Simone to say all the things that she would like to be able to say and act the way she would like to be able to act that she feels as though she can't do when Simone is presenting as boy because that that person has to be perfect all the time I think we're seeing this I think we see this with a lot of the queens that we um, have experienced on the show before and Utica is no different
1: very, very good think hey guys this is why his books are bestsellers tears of a clown <laughs> available on Amazon um, I also wanted to talk you know on the flip side uh, as we learned and I was very amused by um, is, uh, Denali talks about how frustrating it is that once again she was overlooked. You know, just safe. She's the one getting frustrated because uh-huh. she feels that. Now, by the way, I don't know if I agree with her that her look was pants down the best look on the runway, but, uh, but she feels that way. And, um, it was so interesting because as we've learned, um, that Denali is Latinx. Okay. Uh-huh. And what's funny is she looked—I don't know why—but uh, in particular this episode, her Latin Xness, I felt looks-wise, came out more, which actually made me find her very attractive because I find uh, Latin X people very attractive. Being Latin X,
0: uh-huh.
1: and so she was more attractive than usual to me today. But I wonder if that, but as also as a person of color, if there is something that she feels about being, when you're a person of color, being overlooked. I'm not saying that this is happening here, but I wouldn't be surprised because I felt this too, and I was just talking about this with somebody else this week about something they were going through, is that when you're a person of color, whether you're black, whether you're Latino or Latinx, um, or any any ethnicity, um, you have to, and I know it's hard for, um, oh, I was actually talking, We were my friend Adam, who's white, we were talking about the latest episode of the Reply All podcast, where they're covering Bon Appetit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Adam is—I wouldn't necessarily call Adam my friend—woke, but is very, very, very sensitive to the plight of people of color. And even he was having trouble understanding a certain part of that podcast. Where he was, and he had come to me saying, "Can you talk to me about this? Right? About someone feeling overlooked?" He's all because I'm having trouble understanding it. And I was saying, you know, and maybe it's not this one incident that they're covering in Bon Appetit, but but when you get used to always being overlooked or always being ignored, every instance seems like you're being ignored because of your race, even if it's not. And I'm not saying – Denali's not even going there, but I feel – this is pure speculation on my part as – and maybe I'm projecting as a member of the Latinx community that the feelings Mm -hmm. she's expressing – What a person of color is used to—that you have to be like, you, even when you're performing at your best to be net recognized, you have to perform even more. Now, Taylor, you right. are married to a Latinx person. Not only that, you yeah. wrote five years ago the award women a book "Cómo Estás Bien" uh, by Taylor the Latte Boy DDS. What are your thoughts on this?
0: <laughs> Which wasn't a problematic title at all for no. a white male yeah. <laughs> to write a book about that. Um, it makes sense it makes sense i can't necessarily speak to that um as a as a white person Mm -hmm. but i mean you you've said that in the past about other queens of color Mm -hmm. um and this is an example of that especially when we're seeing at this point it really had been the two that had been sort of left behind or the perception of left behind were were denali and rose and now we're seeing rose you know go up a little bit so then that means that the last one that's left that hasn't really had that moment since the very first episode is denali so i could i could it makes sense it makes sense to me mm-hmm.
1: well what's very funny. astute
0: observation that i as a white person would never probably no, make because there'd there be no have reason that
1: yeah yeah and that's what adam was coming to me with he was coming we could talk about off the air what he was talking about specifically this is not the bon appetit recap show but um but he was talking about something that happened on their hand. To him, he goes, that's happened to me. And I go, Wh- whatever. Okay. Come down. But speaking yeah. of going next is, it is, is is in the next part, Joey J is talking about his own thing. And, and it's not that white people who, J- Joey J, not Joey J, Rose, I was say, Rose. <laughs> I wrote Joey J, Rose. Rose is start sharing the same kind of thing, a kind of emotion, but Rose has, I wonder. If it's one of these things, because I know a lot of gay people like this, uh, you're type A gay, where they are just, they push and push and push and push and push, you know, um, they, they're, it's, they're, never good enough. They're, and, and there's somebody we know who I feel has that, who's a type A gay like that. But, um, uh, but they just keep going because I feel, and this, this is where you can talk about it, just could not because you're a therapist, but but also because you wrote the book. Look at me, mommy. Uh, by Taylor Latte Boy DDS. <laughs> but do you think as a childhood that they, they want to be like they they didn't get enough parental attention or or what? Or, but why specifically gay people have this?
0: Well, okay, but I could also say that I mean your theory as far as with Denali being Latinx that could also apply to Denali's experience in ice skating. I mean, True. ice skating is super competitive and True. and they were You know, starting at a very young age, you practice and practice and practice and practice for hours at a time. And that becomes your life. And you're only as good as the last score that you had. Mm -hmm. So for her to have won the first main challenge Mm -hmm. and then not really have the scores that were high enough, that may be it may be a combination of that with the feelings from being Latinx as well. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I think that you ha- when we have these type A personalities, that, you know, everything has to be, everything has to go the way that it's supposed to go because it didn't go that way before.
1: Does
0: mm-hmm. that make sense? Where, you know, growing up, maybe we, we didn't get the life that we wanted to, or we started off like Rose did, where Rose explained that the singing started at a very early age and his, his, Rose's parents got, him enrolled in various schools and stuff and that eventually he became rosé um you know that's another world the competitive world of theater and you know the arts you're talking about two two people that it sounds like from a very young age have been go 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 all the time so it makes sense that that has been bred into them to where i have to be at the top of the game i have to get The starring role i have to win the particular challenge whether it's mini or maxi and eventually i have to be the one i have to not i want to i have to be the one who wins season 13 Mm
1: -hmm. but it's not any kind of parental lack like i want maybe with ice skating i want there's this love that i'm that that there's a lack i need maybe coach's
0: love or daddy's love or mommy's love i have to keep going 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 yeah that's what i meant Uh, that's what i meant is that you know i mean you've got somebody where like with rosé it sounds like her parents were very supportive yeah. but then does that support turn into we're, you know i mean you're you're looking at something like where there's very supportive parents and then there's like Toddlers and Tiara Parents yeah. or like the Dance Moms type thing of where, where it's people. Li- and I'm not suggesting that this is what Rose's, pa- Rose's parents may have just been. We want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. But any of those shows like that, it always seems like it is the it is wish fulfillment on the parents part. Where they are living, they are living their lives or what they could have had through their children. So they push their children harder because they 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 want they they want to be responsible for winning the trophy that they couldn't win when they were a kid.
1: But you know, it sort of reminds me of
0: prize.
1: just earlier this week. Um, I sent my current boyfriend Aiden a picture of my '90s boyfriend, my first my my first real boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I had that with a picture. I go, oh my god, he's so '90s, right? But we were talking about him, and I was saying because I think Aiden asked, "Oh, well, where is he now?" And I was like, "Oh, married with children, <laughs> right?" But he was one of these type A gays even then, where he was um, like, "I remember when we talked about it, and 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 when not we we weren't break, we hadn't broken up, but it just came up in a conversation where." I think he had talked about he didn't think he could ever be with a a man forever. And I, and when I asked, he was like, it doesn't, it doesn't fit into my plan. My plan is to be married with children. And I wonder if, um, uh, that doesn't fit in his plan. I'm going to put the picture, I'm not going to put the picture in Discord, but I'll put it in the little Hangouts there thing version. Oh,
0: okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Cute yeah yeah but so but but it it didn't so like i said it didn't fit into his plan so that's why that's why we broke up like literally when he um he was going to junior college and we dated when he got into ucla um that was it he broke up Yeah, and and he invited me to here's some more drama he invited me to his wedding and i went Mm -hmm. right and the and i was it was a destination in santa barbara wedding right this isn't really a okay. destination but whatever so then at the hotel we all on the same hotel he came to my room the night before <gasps> the wedding nothing scandalous happened he just said hey i just wanted to tell you how much it meant to me that you came and i want to make sure you're okay and everything like that and i was like no i'm fine you know and uh, he's like okay just wanted you to know and that it doesn't diminish what happened between us and blah 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 and i was like
0: okay and then um, think that, was, that was a preemptive, so that you didn't stand up in the middle of the wedding and <laughs> go, you know, I suck, Like, like, yeah, like I'm at the graduate, I'm at the window banging, you know.
1: <laughs> um, and so uh, anyway, um, uh, what's so funny is at the wedding, his bro- uh, let me rephrase. It. No, it really is, it, his it, no, not, it's, <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually not his brother. It's his cousin. It's his cousin. His cousin, who is a professional dancer, right? Uh huh. Had a conversation with me where he said, "Uh, I'm he's straight. I believe my years later, he's never. But he was like, I really because in the field that I work in, it, it's the thing is to be gay. He's, like, I wish I was gay. My life would be so much easier if I were gay. He's, like, I tried and I tried, but I just it's just not for me. And I was like, you can try one more time." You I know. was gonna say, yeah, but he
0: didn't. <laughs> Stupid. If only there was someone who could convince me. If yeah. If only there was somebody here at this wedding yeah. table that I could try to be gay with. Yeah. If only there was somebody who would follow me over to the to the closet. Yeah.
1: No, well, we're all in that. We all have a hotel room. Oh, I dropped my key card. A- anyway, uh... I dropped the key card to room four twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't. He didn't take me up on it. Um, all right. Um, there's another part too, where RuPaul says, well, you know, we take the phones away from you so you're focused on the competition. I'm like, no, it's not. You take their phones away so they're not on social media telling everyone what happened on the show. Right. Stupid lie that they tell on the show. They take their phones away so they can focus on the competition. Um, also later, um, Utica stands up for herself and claims what she wants, which you, which you complimented her on. And very, I'm very proud that she did that. Um, I want to go back to this Denali. Uh, There's a lot of Joe telling old stories. She looks more Latin, but she also reminds me of, I would say this is my first when I was, I was very little, uh, maybe like less than 10, older than five, right? Somewhere in that area.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my, elementary, yeah, my brother, my brother, my dad has two brothers who are not a lot younger than him, but like when I was five, he was like 20, right? So like 15 or 16 years older than me, right? Okay. Like five or six younger than my dad, six years younger than my dad. So they were like cool to me, right? And Mm -hmm. um, when I was at my grandma's house, he had a friend because that's where he grew up that lived around the corner. And he would take me there. And uh, this friend looked exactly like Denali. Now, when I see Denali, I'm like, oh my God, he looks so much like Tony, right? Mm -hmm. Who was a Mexican guy. And Tony would wear these like, no underwear, loose sweatpants. And he would, even as a kid, I noticed that his schlong was just hanging out. And I was just like,
0: <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I still distinctly remember just, and I'm eye level with it. His <laughs> is the one where the girl, the babysitter's getting out of the car and Homer Simpson finds the gummy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. That's exactly what, and again, like yeah. So uh, there's that, and then finally, Anne. So Denali was bringing. Maybe that's why I'm so into Denali. That she was bringing back some very nascent memories for me as a young gay. And then finally, early
0: developmental stuff.
1: Yeah, let's actually get to Anne Hathaway. And this this pre this predates Drag Race or anything like that. I
0: hate Anne Hathaway. I knew you were gonna say that last night. I feel like there's been some backlash for Anne. Like she was really beloved, and then something happened. And I like is, is isn't she like supposedly a nightmare? So like on set,
1: I've never heard that. I think she's nice. And that that's the, the 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 uh the thing I was gonna say is she's talked about this too. There have been articles written about this about the unfounded hatred for Anne Hathaway, and she knows about it. And she's I think it's bothered her. I don't know what it is. This is something I've also talked about my boyfriend because my boyfriend loves Anne Hathaway. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I do not blame Anne Hathaway for this. This is the one thing I will say. It's not like Todrick or, um, who's that horrible? Um, you know whoever All the people I hate, right? Where they have, I have reason to hate them. I have no reason to hate Anne Hathaway. There's just something about her stupid face that I just hate her. I hate her. I can't anything she's in. I, I mean, I did like Devil Wears Prada, but that's because the character was so her. You know, um, but, uh, but I like
0: Meryl She She seems to play the same character though. Like that is sort of where she's always, I'm plucky and I'm, you know, trying to get, like that's Amy Adams to me. I, Amy, anything Amy Adams is in, oh, she gee. just strikes me as someone who's constantly, where at some point they'll do a close up of where her lip will be quivering. Like yeah, but- that, that's just any, any Amy. So I just have gotten to where if a movie has Amy Adams in and I'm kind of like, nope. Here's the deal.
1: Amy Adams doesn't bother me. Amy Adams doesn't bother me. There's like I just saw there was a talk show clip of her recently, Anne Hathaway saying that no one calls her Anne in real life. That's just her, you Mm. know, the name she uses. They call her Annie. And I was just like, ugh. What a dumb, (laughs) innocuous story to be mad about, right? And I was just like, ugh, shut up, Anne Hathaway.
0: This sounds more about you than Anne Hathaway. I
1: know. I'm, I'm acknowledging that. I'm acknowledging this is about me. What am
0: I bringing to the table? Okay. So then if you had Anne Hathaway in front of you, what would you say to her to try to, to try to hit, not what horrible things would you say at her, no. but what would you say to try to, try to connect with Anne Hathaway on a level? I'd be level?
1: polite to her. And I'm sure that if I met her, I would like her. I'd be polite.
0: You know, look, here's the okay. deal. I. I didn't think you'd walk up to her at a Starbucks and go, fuck you, Anne Hathaway. I, mean, I don't think that would be what would happen. But you know, I mean, if this is something where you recognize this is about you and not about her, Luke just said, Luke in the chat room just said he can't stand Matthew McConaughey. And I feel the way about Matthew McConaughey that you feel about Anne Hathaway.
1: You know what? I've been wanting to do this, which you hate, Taylor. When I think there's a podcast that we like that does. Oh no, it's, uh, that, uh, YouTube guy that, um, um, the animal kingdom guy. That I like that you don't like, Mayor Maury. Uh yeah, Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. Sorry, when I say Animal Kingdom, oh, Animal Crossing guy. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. Hi thing. guys, hi guys, it's me. Um, hey YouTube. Hi, it's- anyway, um, what I'm saying is, hey, if you're listening, uh, why don't you tweet us, add us at uh, Drag Race Recap on Twitter, and tell us what celebrities you just can't stand on there. By the way, don't put at Joe Batance all right. You can put a Taylor the Latte Boy, though.
0: Okay. P I M um, C Taylor. Oh, yeah. You, you can tag me that P I M C Taylor with the actors or actresses that you can't stand for no good goddamn no, no. reason. The joke I was
1: making that they would say me.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but uh, yeah, and do it in the Discord too, in the Discord. Put the actors or actresses that you just don't like for any good goddamn reason. Anne Hathaway is probably number one for me.
0: Matthew McConaughey is probably, Matthew McConaughey just looks like he smells like armpit. Like that's, that, that's just anytime I see him, he just looks like he smells. Okay.
1: Uh, hit the hashtag. What would the hashtag be, Taylor? No, just add us at Drag Race Recap at Joe Batanz at PIMC Taylor. All right, Taylor, yeah. on that note, why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we're going to get into the rest of the show. <laughs> the girls get together and record their vocals with Michelle Visage. Tina sings with a lot of vibrato. Olivia impresses Michelle with her melisma. Simone finds it hard to say ogle, and Candy acknowledges her lisp. Let's just stop right here and just talk a little bit about this. Did you have anything big to say about the recording session? Oh
0: uh, No, it seemed very subdued. Mm-hmm. There wasn't... It, it was the stuff that we've seen before. A girl can't pronounce a word. Mm-hmm. Um somebody who they didn't think really necessarily had the chops did and Mm -hmm. vice versa.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I didn't think that Michelle was particularly Todricky. No, she wasn't. You know, she she seemed, very, but I think that also speaks to you recognizing some of the backlash for when she's really lashed out of Queens before. So she's yeah. sort of taking a step back from that. The guy who produced the musical was just sort of there. I feel like we've seen other ones where they were more involved, particularly the I think it's M N E X M B N X, the one that's uh, producing a lot of the UK stuff, seemed a little more involved in than than this producer did. It was okay. Yeah, you know, one of the things I had before, I I
1: thought a lot about the two things I liked about this episode, and originally what I had was, and I even was going to say, give credit where credit's due, I thought Michelle was a very good vocal coach. And I thought she did a good yeah. job, and she wasn't super negative, and she was helpful and friendly. It, I, I think the show is making, a concert, is making a concerted effort to be less of a bully and more, uh, at least appear to be more friendly. Uh, yeah, and I appreciate it. I appreciate. It. I think they. I think they're they're seeing where the fan base is going, and the fan base isn't really liking that anymore, and they're trying uh-huh. to be nicer to the queens. And I thought that was good. Um, all right, for the choreography next, the girls work with Jamal Sims on the choreography. Olivia makes sure Jamal knows she can move. Simone gets stuck, Udick gives away her shot. Candy delivers low energy. Rose slays. Meanwhile, got Mick circles to keep up with Denali. Anything you want to say about the choreography?
0: Um, uh, again, we've seen this before. Que- queen's a queen really kind of goes where they immediately know that they're doing really well. There's another one that there's the awkwardness. Um There is the ones that look like they're going to struggle. And then, you know, Gottmik was somebody who they were talking about that, that Gottmik couldn't keep up with Denali's energy, but then they ended up being where they did great in the musical. You know, they, they show us this. I was listening to another episode. Um, I, I was listening to an episode of another Drag Race podcast. What? I know a lot. of What? Of stuff. I I'm what not going to you- say who. I'm not going to say who, but they talk about the fact that they're only really given like where the choreographers show them something one time and then they go okay, do it. So there is a lot of that of oh, they so that way they get that awkwardness on tape and then they end up rehearsing for like a day or two prior yeah. before.
1: They usually you know. they usually do the choreography day right before they have like a weekend for the crew. So they have like right. a few days to then actually practice it.
0: Yeah. So, but they don't they don't tell us that. They make it look like mm-hmm they were you know they they uh, they rehearse one day or they get they get the choreography one day and then a couple hours later they're expected to know yeah. everything yeah yeah yeah
1: not you know and and i'm saying this as a compliment not really much to say about these recordings or of the choreography i think what they showed us was a fair representation of what we saw in terms of reality shows uh it wasn't right. like over like again it wasn't Todrick being a total fucking asshole to the girls like he is and all that stuff Alright, it's Elimination Day and the queens get ready for the runway. Simone feels insecure. Candy gives her two cents on social media. Tina reveals her Graham-Norton relationship. And Denali admits she has crushes on animated characters. Now, there is a lot to unpack here. Yes. What were your... Let's talk about it. I know there's some obvious things we need to talk about. But um, what what do you have to say about this Elimination Day?
0: Well, I know that... Um... At one point when Candy referred to herself as Fat Aja, mm-hmm. you immediately came to mind because mm-hmm. I know that you had referred to Candy as Fat Aja before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that that was something that – social media is – I figured we would talk about just social media in general sure. and what a blessing and curse social media is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's become something where in the beginning it was a lot of fun. And I remember first getting – I remember MySpace and having a MySpace account and connecting with, you know, friends and who made it to your top eight and and that sort of thing. And then over time, there is a lot of ugliness to social media and there is a lot of uh, drama. I see so much drama with adults in – in my practice with clients who talk about, and then this one said this to me on Facebook and then he and I got into a fight and all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you're a 52 year old man (laughs) and you're, you're doing the equivalent of, you know, arguing with the other kids at the, on the playground before, before, you know, lunch. It's just something about it that it's just, there's so much of an ugliness and there's so much, just hatred that i i you know and and we've all been we've all played a role in that you know some would say this podcast plays a role in that some of the Mm -hmm. ugliness but i also think that there are opportunities to celebrate things in life and there are things to celebrate there are ways that we can kind of show what works in the world and and it's it's definitely a double-edged sword
1: you know uh it's funny that uh that you bring this up because everyone should know about a decade ago, Taylor wrote the book, My Space or Yours, uh, the top eight rules for uh, the older generation with the younger technology. And it's so funny how prescient that book was, Taylor, DDS, because, you. you know, I get to see firsthand my parents' relationship with social media and particularly Facebook. And it's funny mm-hmm. how, you know, 10 years ago the roles were reversed and the older parents are like, what's with this Facebook? And the kids were just, you know, type, 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 away at the at the dinner table. And my mom has a very unhealthy relationship with social media, where herself, and especially I think amplified by the pandemic, because that's now her connection to the outside world, where right. a lot of her self worth comes from what her friends think about whatever dinner she made or what comment she made. And I, it's weird. My parents, well, what's funny is they're even less savvy than than young people because. I feel the younger people now have, I guess, a healthier relationship with social media than people might think, in that they know what the, everything they're seeing isn't reality. They can take or leave. Like, the kids don't use Facebook anymore. It's all old people now. And, right. uh But where my mom believes everything she sees on Facebook, she mm-hmm. buys into that as being the reality and, and, a, and a picture of their life. And um, it's very, very difficult. Very, very, very difficult. Uh, I yesterday told my mom, I was the parent, right? Cause she was on Facebook the entire time while we were eating dinner. And I had to say, like, are we going to have to get the same where we're at no screen to the, t- at the dinner table? And she got really upset. Uh-huh. Don't take away her Facebook. You know, we're in the Catholic season, in the Christian season of Lent and Catholics often give something up. I had recommended social media and she was absolutely no. Absolutely no. Yeah. That's her well, that's her I mean, they,
0: there have been there have been studies on just that emotional release of serotonin that you get from when you when you open and you see likes and you know whether it's a picture on Facebook or it's a comment or something on Instagram, and it becomes very easy to become addicted to that and to be constantly refreshing and constantly looking to make sure that you get likes. So that's something where your mom posts a picture you know of something that she cooked. And she may get, I don't know how many likes. Imagine what that's like for someone whose livelihood depends on likes, like some of the social media queens or even the queens who are, you know, performing, but they have to advertise and they advertise on Facebook that they're going to be at this particular club or this Mm -hmm. particular bar on this Mm -hmm. one night and how it becomes such an immerse uh, such an important part of their career. It's, it's scary to think what it has done to us as a community and as a country You know, And it's just been, like you said, like what you're talking about with your mom, is exacerbated by the fact that for some of us, that is our only connection to the outside world. I mean, Mm -hmm. your mom doesn't necessarily leave the house at all anymore. Mm -hmm. So she has become where the only way that she really connects with people is through these comments. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that if a friend of hers is saying something to her or posting a picture – one, they're showing the best case scenario. They're showing, you know, they're showing the best angle of whatever she cooked or the best, mm-hmm. you know, she took 15 pictures of a, of a grandchild, but she's only going to post the one that is the best, you know, something that I say to clients all the time. So if she's seeing other things, whether it's about politics or whether it's about, you know, whatever. Well, if all these other things are true, then this must be true too, you know, and what I've said to. Clients of mine is nobody ever posts about their upset stomach and the explosive diarrhea they had on Facebook. Yeah. That's, it's always about where we are judging ourselves and we're comparing ourselves to other people who are only posting about the best aspects of their lives and getting tons of likes for it. So if the stuff that I'm doing doesn't get as many likes as the stuff that you're doing, then I must be doing something wrong, even though I'm do really doing something right for myself yeah. and don't necessarily have to share it. I very rarely share on like Facebook and stuff anymore, just because since politics really became such a big part of Facebook, I don't really want anything to do with it anymore. But it is it, there is still that if I post something, I do occasionally check to see how many likes it got. And if there's times that, especially pictures with Instagram where I'm like, well, why did that picture only get, you know, 80 likes where the last one got 120? Like mm-hmm. what's, you know, what, what, am, what am I doing wrong? Then I'm like, no, I this is, I have to stop looking at this, as something for the rest of the world, but more something for me. My Instagram is now pictures that I want to be able to have someplace where I can go through it and look, for, look at pictures for myself. And if other people happen to like it, great, but if not, oh, well,
1: Um, you know, recently we lost in October, our drag race. recap Instagram account. It got deleted by Instagram. I really don't know why. Cause they don't tell you. My suspicion is cause it happened a day or two after was, well, I just posted this innocuous get out. Someone asked me who was doing a get out the vote thing. Will you post a promotion for this get out the vote? It was, it was not partisan at all. It was just like, mm-hmm. go and vote, you know? And I got this mean email from Instagram that they took down the post that we're not allowed to post political things. And I was like, okay, fine. And then a day or two later, the whole account was deleted. And I've done the appeals. I've done everything you can find to do on things online. Just, they won't give it back. And at first, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And then I was like, I don't really need it. And the only thing that sucks is we had over 20,000 followers on the Instagram. But even then, like, whenever I – we got a lot of engagement whenever I did drag race-related posts. But whenever I promoted mm-hmm. the show, meh, you know? So, like, it wasn't really yeah. doing anything for us. It was like stroking the ego, you know? Um, now, I want to address the Fat Aja thing. Some people said that I made that up. I didn't make that up. Reddit called her – Fat Aja, and I just thought that was super funny. Um, <laughs> one. Two, you said earlier, like, oh, well, you know, we can be mean. You know, I thought about this a lot. The difference is, is that, A, I don't subtweet, in, in essence, or tag queens. Like, if they listen to this show, well, then they listen to this show. And by the way, they're right. fine. I'm also saying my real name, and your real name, because everyone should know that's your legal name, Taylor the Latte Boy, and my legal name, Joe Batanz. They can find me on social media if they have a problem. You know, I think where the internet gets, where the social media gets dangerous and what's so funny is my, because I have such a, uh, I have a place where I can spew my hatred, you know, or my, my positivity as well. Right. But you can confine me, right? And, uh, but. Cash what, show
0: outside. How about that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cash me outside. How about that? And, um, the thing though is, the, the the ugliness with social media are people who hide behind these anonymous walls and A uh say horrible things about you and who you fight back against and B um m- make things up. They can easily just make something up about you. And it gets and it goes yeah. viral and people believe it. But if Asha wants to come fight with me, she's welcome to come fight with me. She can email me at jobatansonafterthought.media, dot media and b and will I Aja or candy. Oh, Aja can call me anytime she wants, just for whatever. But f- Fat Aja, Candy uh, Muse, can call me and communicate with me anytime she wants and uh, and do that. By the way, weird thing. If anyone knows Alaska, could you have her message me? Because I'm going to tell you something, Ted. I'm going to complain right here. Okay. Almost a year ago, you and I bought and I paid a lot of money for some really good tickets to this Drag Queen of the Year pageant, Right? And then in May, no. when it wasn't going to happen, they said, "Well, you can keep your money rolling until we do it again in September." Then in September, they're like, "We're canceling it. They're like, we're going to send you your money back." I paid a lot of money, Taylor, and I never got this money back. Now I don't blame Alaska. I don't blame her. Okay, it's not her fault. But if anyone knows Alaska, could you please tell her contact me? I'll, you know what I want? I think what I want is fair. I don't getting my money back. That's fine. I think what I want is very clear. It's fair. The next time you do Dry Queen of the Year pageant,
0: I want two fierce tickets. I already paid for them. They're doing, one. they're doing it again. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. It, I was going to say it just got posted in the Discord. So there, it's returns. It's returning digitally though. No, 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 no,
1: no, no, no. no. I don't want digital. I, so I can, okay. I'll wait. I'll wait till the next time that they do it live. Right. Okay. So someone have Alaska message me, thank you. Because I would message Alaska, but she's not gonna get it, you know. Thank you. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else, Taylor, about this elimination challenge?
0: Uh, I don't remember what the elimination other day. Elimination was. day. Sorry. There was social media. Oh, there the was, animated what,
1: characters. Denali. Are you? Have you ever been attracted to an animated character?
0: Prince Eric, Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. Oh really? I always thought he was that. Yeah. There is also there is a guy. Who does these videos, um, on Twitter and he mm-hmm. apparently has a Patreon called Mr. X Tune where mm-hmm. he takes Disney characters and he makes like gay porn out of them. Mm-hmm. And a couple of those are where I feel weird like watching them because I'm like, they're actually kind of hot, but mm-hmm. it's the, the, he did one with, uh, Kristoff and, uh, flynn Ryder mm-hmm. and one that he said recently is tarzan and milo from atlantis mm-hmm. and he did one of the older brother from big hero six uh like jerking off oh like wow. but he makes these, they look like disney there it's mr x tune on twitter and he does a bunch of these videos where he'll post post little like segments of them and they're uh they're wow. <laughs> yeah. He did one also of Hercules and Aladdin together. It's so, so funny. It,
1: um, there's somebody I know. I don't know if he wants his name out there or anything like that. Who's, you know, as we, you know, anyone who's on Patreon knows who I'm talking about, who's into the animated character thing too. And so I didn't get a chance to ask permission whether I could talk about it. So I won't say who it is, yeah. but, uh, uh, all right, Taylor, let's go on to the maxi challenge, which is. Uh, you know, the rusical itself. Um, I have some thoughts on the Maxi Challenge where we had Tina Burner. I don't, we don't want to go through each character, but did you have any thoughts uh, on it in
0: general? Honestly, the thing that I said in the beginning, it's the sound quality was weird to me. There was a lot Mm -hmm. of them when they were singing, I couldn't understand what they were saying Mm -hmm. where they, they, particularly like normally when they, when they have recordings, the one that I really noticed was Tina's where it sounded muffled. Yeah. It didn't sound as clear as it normally does where and that might be where they dub they dub in the actual track over the, over the, the performance. But this one it's almost sounded like you could hear they had the speakers playing and Tina was lip syncing to the sound of her own voice through the spe- through the external speakers mm-hmm. in the studio. Yeah. So I was I was not a fan. And then some of them like uh Simone's I couldn't understand what Simone was saying. Candy was I have no idea what Candy was talking about mm-hmm. in hers in yeah. particular.
1: Uh, first of all, I want to say I know Lucian Piani said some horrible, horrible, racist, terrible things. Some people might even mm-hmm. find these things unforgivable, Right uh Uh from what i've heard i don't know that that lucian's been laying low and but he went through rehab and is on a on a path of sobriety and let's all hope him wish him the best you know absolutely and perhaps world of wonder just doesn't want to um have anything to do with him anymore which is their prerogative Uh but man never i think i've said this before have I felt the loss of Lucian Piani <laughs> more than this week's episode? The music was horrible. It was not even like – I will say this. Lucian was really good at ripping off styles and making them – where you could hear it and you would know, oh, he's trying to do this, right? He's making like uh, uh, like uh, a Vita. He's doing a take on a Vita or something, right? And uh-huh. this musical clearly – and I only know this by the costumes and the chairs – was doing some sort of send up of Chicago slash cabaret of Candor and Ebb yeah. musicals. Um, but man, the songs were awful. There wasn't one, you couldn't, this guy couldn't hum a tune out of anything, right? And <laughs> yeah. like, it was just really, really, really bad. And I'm not saying it has to be Lucian Pianni. I feel like they found someone recently who actually could make hummable tunes. And they, I don't know why they went with these people. It was awful. The songs they wrote were terrible. Uh, literally, your, a first-year musical theater composition student could do better than this. Um, yeah. Also, it's official. Please stop doing the Tuckahoe joke.
0: Okay? I thought of that I th- when when Tuckahoe University, I groaned. Yeah. I was like, okay, we've seen it for but 10 that's years. The shit when, when there are those stupid – jokes like that mm-hmm. that's where you hear Rue laugh. Yeah. So that's clearly her wheelhouse as far mm-hmm. as comedy goes. You know, and but it's the same stuff, you know, where anytime and she does the thing where she like wipes the corners of her mouth kind of yeah like, there's just very well, much where she's not beyond she, she she's never really evolved beyond that particular level of comedy.
1: Yeah, but also mm-hmm. the writers haven't and and like I said, I got some inside tea. I don't know who wrote this music, actually. I don't want to speculate. Anyway, um, by the way, really, really, the editors and the producers and post-production, everybody, but the editors in particular, they're not even subtle now trying to tell us how we're supposed to feel. Like, between right. everything is, like, if they're smiling, we know that they liked it. And if they're not smiling, then it was terrible. Like, right. Candy Ho, I'm Candy Ho, Candy Muse was terrible. You could tell that. Apart from them showing us the judges being unhappy with Simone, I can't really tell why Simone was any better than Elliot, let's say. Like, yeah. Like, I, di- I didn't really understand what the problem with, with Simone. I know that, that, uh, that Jamal talked about, like, being off a step or something like that on the count or something, but like, I'm sure there were other people who weren't necessarily nailing the choreography, but like, Simone seemed, Fine. I'm not even saying she was great, but why was it better or worse than anybody else? I don't know. Apart from them telegraphing it with their faces during the, well,
0: because, well, we don't know with the girls that were safe. Ultimately you have the top three, you have the bottom three, you have the Mm -hmm. middle three. You don't know where of those three, obviously somebody, if they go by score, Mm -hmm. somebody has the top scores and somebody has the lowest scores, but you don't know where they fall in between. Elliot, that was a weird performance i thought and it felt very low energy to me Mm -hmm. but this might have been the difference between simone and elliot might have just been where elliot had enough to where she got fourth from last and simone was third from last it might have been where there was that could have been one person score we don't know how close it really was between elliot and simone if Elliot was, like, fourth from last kind of thing. I think there's just some chicanery
1: going on here. And what I mean is that I think, I mean, look, they clearly wanted to know that they were clearly going to do a double chante. Okay? They were just going to do it. And so, like, okay, we'll do it this episode. So they needed to put two people up where, in theory, the lip syncs would be close. If they did Elliot versus Candy, even though I don't think this would have been true, but then they were like, well, we can't justify the double chante. But if we put Simone, who's clearly been crushing it, versus Candy, we can justify the the double chante I'm not necessarily going to agree with it with the end product, but um, I think that was the the justification there, because I don't think Simone did anything that was worthy of being in the bottom two, and and for definitely lip-syncing. Next, this Candy. Now, Candy, you see her performance, this bitch can't lip-sync. Like, it was horrible. She was not even trying. Like, Right. She has enunciation, she has lazy mouth anyway, just the way she speaks in general, right? She doesn't enunciate. Mm-hmm. And then B, uh, in her lip syncing is even worse. It just seemed like she did not know the words at all. And I feel in What's her lip syncs...
0: Could that be part of why she was constantly flipping her hair and everything? So it's sort of, yeah.
1: That's what I was gonna say. Is she's in her lip sync? She constantly does that thing where she walks to the back of the stage and she's hiding. She has big flowy things. She's hiding her face. We're on to her. We know she doesn't know the words. And I'm not. And if if I know this, then you know the judges know this, right? They know what she's doing. Um, And then finally, I love that when they were talking to Anne Hathaway, Tinta asks her. Anne, can you give me advice on a death scene? And then Anne Hathaway gives some non advice, right? Did you see her death scene? Like, why would? Did she think it was gonna be like a real death scene that she was gonna be doing? Like, it was, it was weird, a, a cartoon. No, no, and and fine, it was, but it was like, why would Anne Hathaway go like, act like a cartoon? Like, what? What? She had a cartoonish death scene. Why would it? It was so dumb. I, I it was so silly. All right, but those are my thoughts on the musical. It was horrible. Um, the end. Uh, all right, Taylor. Now it's time for the looks. The looks, okay. The looks. What are your thoughts here on the looks, Taylor?
0: Well, everybody wore yellow. Yeah. So that that, that makes it easy as far as I don't have to explain what everybody's mm-hmm. wearing. But I thought the looks were all, for the most part, very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go through each look individually. The first look that came down the runway was Tina, Tina Burner, who came in a taxi cab inspired look with big uh, lit up headlights and a long train that was all yellow with the black and white checkerboard um, as trim. I thought the look was great. I thought I thought that it was fun. It definitely spoke to the color yellow. Um, It was it was a good look.
1: Yeah, it was a good look. A very strong look. I'm actually I was very surprised she was in the bottom. I think they were short on bottom. Aren't we all? Mm hmm but um <laughs> but uh um her cause her performance apart from that thing where she didn't carry out the whole note at the end right uh-huh. like she was fine in the in the musical challenge and this look was good I think she I think she deserved anything to be safe
0: I was kind of kind of surprised she was in the bottom well but she may have been I mean I don't know that 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 may she maybe she was the one where they they had to come up with somebody and they figured this is something where it gives tina we haven't really seen tina sweat at all yet yeah so this is something where we can see how she does with it it might have been just an experiment on the part of the producers speaking of sweat um olivia lux yeah yeah that was weird to see olivia lux's sweat through a t-shirt during the performance that was odd um, she comes out in a beautiful yellow gown um, mm-hmm. with big puppy sleeves. Um, you know, or I don't know what you would call those sleeves, bracelets, whatever you want to call. She looked gorgeous. Um, this is I think this is my favorite look of the night. Oh, wow. Um, very, very very pretty. I loved her hair. She looked like a member of a Motown girl group mm-hmm. um, and just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. All right. Simone came out in a yellow uh, I don't know what you would call this. She submits, uh like a fur coat with uh thigh-high boots and mm-hmm. suspenders with leggings, not leggings, but uh I don't know what you call them. But uh and yellow hair. Uh, this was probably my least favorite look of all the looks. It oh, looks really? it red very red very boy to me. Um I think because of the suspenders just kind of covering the nipples and uh, I, I just wasn't a fan of this. I normally love Simone, but this was, this was not a strong look for me as far as I'm concerned. All right. So, Utica comes out in a 14th century inspired dress with, um, that is all yellow with very, with a patchwork skirt. And I thought this, this was very Utica. I thought this definitely speaks to her brand. While it wasn't necessarily my favorite look, I could appreciate that she was doing something different and uh that there was also other little pops of color everybody else kind of went straight through with the yellow but i see some blacks in there and even a little bit of like red and orange in there but i i'm glad to see that she did this it was it was a great look so candy muse came out in a beyonce inspired dress uh with sunflowers in her hair and as much as i am not a fan of candy muse i thought she looked really pretty here Um, I enjoyed the flowiness during the runway. We'll get to the lip sync later. Um, and I thought that this was her showing, um, showing some real beauty here. So this, this to me was actually a pretty good look.
1: All right. Very good.
0: Elliot with two T's was the second of the outfits that was inspired by a taxi cab, though hers was definitely more eighties inspired with the big, uh, shoulder pads and, uh, the, the, uh, uh, bodice, um, tight, tight plastic or pleather pants, uh, all yellow with crazy hair. Between this one and Tina's, I liked this one more. I thought this one was sexier, the other one was campier, whereas I thought this was sexier. Um, and I think Elliot is very cute, so that is why I like this one more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Rosé came out in an outfit inspired by the movie The Mask um, with the green face, which I thought also works for her face because her face is so square that I thought it was a smart move on her part. I do agree with Michelle. This look was orange. This was not yellow. Um, and the more you looked at it, especially when she's standing up next to all of the other girls, it was clearly, clearly orange. But it was a fun, again, speaking kind of to what Tina did, a fun, campy look that had some creativity to it. Next up is Denali. Denali came out in a outfit inspired by the snake that Britney Spears uh carried through the I'm a Slave for You performance from the MTV Awards back like twenty something years ago. Uh she had an amazing headdress, uh the in a in a bodysuit that was, I guess, snakeskin inspired. It was okay. It was a little underwhelming compared to everybody else, but the headset or the headdress was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything to add to any of these? No, anything that you liked, anything one, that you're sort of like
1: the one thing I'll say. I wonder if with um, Roseanne's look, if it really was yellow, but it did they didn't account for the lighting. I could, if you look at it, you're like, it could be a thing where the lighting just made it look orange, and and the designer didn't account for that.
0: I'm that that is very true. I am going to say though, especially at the bottom picture, all of the looks that were given to us in the Discord when you compare it to all the others, it is it is clearly orange and there was a scene in untucked where they were all sitting together and when you looked at it that way you're like oh yeah no that is orange but that also the lighting in untucked i think is very different than the lighting on the. Well, Broadway, okay look,
1: okay we're, everyone should know we have a picture where we have all of them in front of us but look at her on this on this uh panoramic picture and then look at tina does the shade look much different from tina's color
0: that to me is different, though, because Tina's further off to the side so that she is standing in a darker lighting, whereas Rose is my kind point. of standing in the middle. But you're making my point that I think it's a lighting thing.
1: I'm not saying that – in other words, the designer should have known and accounted for the lighting is what I'm saying.
0: I can see I, – I, I mean, it is definitely in the yellow – but it is a yellow-orange compared to where I feel everybody else had a lemon yellow or a canary mm-hmm. yellow. Sure. Okay? Okay. So, last up is Gottmik, who came out as a Crash Test Dummy. Um, we saw a Crash Test Dummy outfit a couple of weeks ago from Denali, so it's funny that we've had two this season. Uh, and it is sort of a very punk look with a uh, great makeup and a, like, a headdress, like a big, a high pony with, I'm not sure what that's supposed to be, if that's supposed to be ribbon or what. But it was a fun look, um, definitely spoke to the, the the challenge, and that's really all the looks. All right. Everybody was yellow.
1: Once there was this boy who liked to make the lattes and talk about the looks. But when his co-host was quiet, he'd get real mad and said he had to leave at one. We couldn't quite believe it. We thought he just stay there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. Anyone under 35 does not get that joke. Okay. <laughs> do you think there's anyone under – do you think there's anyone that, that's under 40 that gets that joke?
0: Probably not. Probably not it's that the, i hated that song
1: oh i, I hated it too
0: i hated that song too
1: yeah dude what do you think that guy's doing now like is he like a substitute teacher somewhere telling them, guys i had a hit song in the early 90s i did i did
0: that, like, that, oh. that, that now he, he's he's working in a he's working at like a, a, a uh oh, oh, like like a, like a, like some sort of like antique shop or something like uh, that okay. where he's surrounded by musty stuff all day yeah
1: All right, very good. Well, anyway, Taylor, those are... The Looks. The Looks! The Looks. All right, very good. Back on the main stage, Olivia, Utica, and Elliot are safe. Rosé wins, and Tina, Candy, and Simone are in the bottom three. RuPaul lets Tina off the hook, leaving Simone and Candy in the bottom two, and forced to fight in a lip-sync battle for their lives. The song, Boss, by Fifth Harmony. In the end, Simone lives to see another day, while Candy, Muse, is asked to sashay away, but just as candy is about to reach the exit rupaul calls her back and saves her from elimination taylor the latte boy any final thoughts on the episode is there anything we missed anything in your notes that you want to
0: share with us the lip sync to me sure was subpar yeah on both on both queen's parts but I it also at one point, I thought, this is the an actual visual, visual, yeah, mm-hmm. this is an actual visual representation of chaos versus order, where I feel like Simone was Simone definitely knew the words. And Simone was definitely where she was, she was very Coco Montrese with the cold hearted snake. Like, look at my, you can see that I know all of the words here and I'm going to move in a way that you can see that I know everything. Whereas I felt like Candy was, especially with that outfit that she had on, she was just all, it was, it was messy. It was sloppy. It was just like rolling around on the ground and stuff. I, I, it was, it made me uncomfortable. There was nothing because we've seen that before with girls where they're they're kind of all over the place, but there's something fun to it. Mm-hmm. But it was so chaotic and so it, it just I just didn't like it. I feel between the two, Simone, even though she was not as all over the place, I see where they kept Simone initially versus Candy. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts?
1: I actually think Simone did very well on this lip sync. I thought it was a very good passable lip sync. You're right. She knew the words. Passable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, look, is it the greatest thing ever? No. Look, on Drag Race, I'm, I'm a little behind on Drag Race UK, but I was watching Drag Race UK episode three, and this one girl's like, anyone who comes before me is going to get uh, eliminated, right? And then she goes home, right? And I was like, right. but, but what I was thinking about that particular lip sync in episode three, season two, is i was like... It was a passable lip sync, I'll be honest with you. But I was like, for Drag Race UK, that was the best lip sync, at least so far, that I've ever seen on that show, because they're horrible lip syncers, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. Simone, I thought, gave a decent, get the job done lip. It was, it was a workman lip sync, right? You know, she, uh, got it done. But, but that said, what in my book was, Head and shoulders above Candy Muse. What Candy Muse was a big, giant fucking mess, right? She did the eureka kick. Thank you to the editors for putting that confessional line in because I thought, yes. uh, here we go. The fat person kick, you know, uh, to show that they can move, you know? Right. And Ben Candy also—it's funny because Candy's lip-syncing enough that we know all her tricks. She's always going to clap her hand at the big moment on the thing. She's always going to fall on the floor. I mean, we've seen all the tricks. She does not know
0: the words. She she walked all the way to the back of the stage again w- to give multiple her that time times. She, yeah,
1: multiple yeah. times and hiding hiding things with her sleeves. All, you know, doing uh, armography so you don't see her face as much. And then also just. Falling on the floor, just hiding her face, and then just not knowing the words. Whereas, clearly, Simone really was on top of the words. One. Two, you're right. It was order versus chaos. Candy was essentially, if I told my nieces, do a lip sync to this song, I don't think they'd do anything much different. You know? Yeah. Because I don't think she prepared. Yeah. I don't think she prepared. So, um, you know, uh, there was a very famous Hollywood producer and his big saying in his autobiography... Uh, cause he says it multiple times. It's clearly his uh there's always time for a cocktail was luck <laughs> is when preparation meets opportunity. Okay. Luck yeah. is when preparation meets opportunity. And I think this was the case is Simone showed up prepared. That might even be your compliment and criticism towards Simone. And she's so prepared where sometimes there's no spontaneity in what she does, you know, yeah. but in this case, it worked. Candy Muse should have 100% gone home. 100% should she have gone home. And they only saved her because that's what the, was going on in the producer storyline. And they, and they want to keep her. There are these people that RuPaul and the producers fall in love with because they give it, like, I'll be honest with you. You know, I'm famous for the, I hate candy. And that hasn't gone away. But what I will say is, but I will say, if Candy Muse leaves the show, the show is going to be 100% more boring.
0: I thought that when they – when before she called her back, I thought, well, who's going to be the conflict now? No. Like be- you can see them sort of planting the seed of Rosé and Tina because that seems like that was forgotten about from episode one. But when they were doing the vote in the beginning of the episode where she's like, I 100% did that to fuck with Rosé's head, which I'm like, okay, how is that fucking with her head? If yeah. you know you're one of two people that voted, whatever. Yeah. But um, th- there really isn't much conflict between any of the any of the other girls, or the potential for conflict, at least this at this stage in the game.
1: Okay, I'm going to say something that might be kind kind of controversial here. Okay. You're supposed to demonstrate charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Okay, Simone is clearly the front runner. I feel she has That's nerve true. and talent in sh- spades. She's a little weak on the uniqueness, but not too much, right? But she doesn't – the charisma is her weak spot. And if and, – and I'll be honest with you. With the remaining queens, that's sort of the problem with all the remaining queens, okay? Is they're sort of low on the charisma. Uh, Ellie with two Ts, believe it or not, I would actually give a high mark on the charisma. But – The talent part. No, I so think – you- okay, but – you On the talent part, not so much, but, um, but but you get rid of Candy Muse, and that show is going to lose so much in in, in terms of the thrust that the show needs to keep us entertained. And from a reality show perspective, what I'm saying is, as an actual contestant, Simone is amazing. As an actual reality show character, not so much. And there's actually very few besides Candy Muse. In fact, I can't think of any. What other reality show contestants are there on this show? Who is the um? Who's the tar- don't be tardy to the party?
0: Kim Zolniak. Zolziak. Yeah, where's
1: where's her? Where's Nini leeks Where's the Countess Luann? We don't have those if you get rid of Candy Muse.
0: Yeah, no, I I I think so. I think the closest thing that we had to that other than Candy would be Tamisha. Yes, and yes. she's gone. She's gone. Tamisha really kind of hit all of the charisma, uniqueness, yes. nerve, and talent. Yes, particularly on the season, and, so, and it is a true loss to us as the viewers. Yes, that we don't we don't get to see her continue on on the on this show.
1: Well, no, you know I'm playing this new game of the New York Times called Tiles. Where you have to like uh-huh. get rid of it. It's not I'm explain it, but the point is you have to think three or four steps ahead that if you use this one, you won't have it in a future thing, right? If you kind of give away this thing and blah, 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 blah. Maybe, maybe poker's a little bit like that. And I feel that I don't know anything about things, but the producers <laughs> played their hand wrong and they bet that Tamisha, but when they gave up Tamisha, then they lost the ability to use, to lose candy. Right. So now they're stuck with Candy for as long as possible, I think, because if they lose her, they're fucked.
0: Yeah. You've got another season 12 of where everybody everybody's walking in nature with children.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Taylor, you have a hard out in two minutes. <clears throat> so do you have any other final thoughts before I go? No. Not at all. All right. Well, Thank that's going to do it for this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Be sure to join us next weekend, every week as we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each brand new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 13. So, for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself, sashay away until next week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Have something to say? Email us at recap at Afterthought.media For more drag race and LGBTQ content, support us over at Patreon at Patreon.com slash Afterthought Media. You can follow Tanner the Latte Boy on Instagram and Twitter at T I M C Taylor. Follow Joe Batance on Instagram at Joe Batance. That's J O E B E T A N C E. This episode was produced by Luke Stamen. Drag Race Recap is an afterthought media podcast. <laughs>